Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. The one, the only, we are blessed, Dr. History. Good morning. <laughs> I'm glad you said you're blessed. <laughs> and so am I. <laughs> oh, how are you? Good. A little slick coming out here. A little snow-covered roads out there. You know, wasn't it crazy yesterday? Yeah. I mean, uh, it wasn't a bad day outside and everything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden around, what was it, 3.30 or 4 o'clock, yeah, it, that it. temperature started dropping like a rock. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, a little bit of snow-covered road. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I drove slow. Well, yeah, but you've been all over the world, mushing huskies in Alaska and everything else. I'm used else. to that. Yeah, you're used to it. <laughs> what are we going to talk about this We're morning? We're going to talk about a couple of steamboats that uh, met with a bad end. Uh-oh, you're... The demise. The demise, yes. Uh, So we're going to go to 1852, and we're going to go to Lexington, Missouri. Okay? Hmm, So that's not too far from Independence, No, I was going to say, I think I know where that is. Yeah, Yeah. not too far. So the side wheel steamer, the Saluda, okay? Captain Frank. Why did they call it a side wheel? Because, okay, you got the stern. Was actually the side? Yeah, you have one on each side, whereas a stern wheeler is the big paddle in the back. In the back. See, I'm learning all about your boats. So the side wheeler, this, like I say, had one on each side. I see. That sounds dangerous to me. Well, I don't know. They they had about equal amounts of both. Yeah, but if you're leaning over the rail in your stateroom, don't don't lean lean over over the rail. (laughs) (laughs) So Captain Francis T. Belt, he was the owner and the master. And he was firing pretty hard uh, as this boat drew close to the town of Lexington on Wednesday, April 7th, and prepared to skirt the point of a land ahead, trying to get around this spot. But her double-engine, double-boiler power plant was just not able to cope with the water. Now, this is spring, so the water's coming down pretty fast. And this is on the Missouri? Yes, on the Missouri. Yes. So, I bet uh, there was a lot of ice chunks. Yeah, and ice and, and fast water. So she hurried into it time and time again, would hang in the current, chunks of ice hitting against the hull, and Captain Belt uh, fell back on Lexington in the end, and he nosed the side wheeler against a wharf and tied up because he couldn't make it around this bend because of the ice and the fast water. So it was literally pushing him backwards. Right, yeah. So he tied up, and the boat's uh, staterooms and lower deck were jammed with a lot of Mormon immigrants, most of them from England and Wales, and they were bound for Council Bluffs and the head of the Long Trail, of course, to the Salt Lake Valley. So it was cold. They were crowded, jammed. You know, the captains and the owners of these boats, they jammed these boats as full as they could. And we're going to talk about another one that happened uh, in a few minutes. You know, and I would have Imagine, you know, now that you mentioned it, quickly say this, all those, the cabins where they stayed in, they probably didn't have central air where there was heat or anything. And a lot of them were out on the decks. A lot of people actually 
lived and floated on the deck and didn't even have a cabin. Wow. So anyway, so Captain Belt took the side wheeler out into the stream again the following day and was driven back once more. So Saluda's machinery were old and worn. She'd been snagged and sunk two years before. But Captain Belt, having bought her for a very low price, you know, from a used boat salesman. Here we go. I bet he wore white shoes and a belt, too, <laughs> Probably. didn't he? Probably. <laughs> uh, bought her for a very low price. She was raised and patched. And... uh he was a little bit frustrated uh, because he was forced to uh, play before his gambling passengers uh, and before an increasing interest gallery on the shore. He he had to get them to where they needed to be, had yeah. to get them up to independence. Yeah. So on April 9th, Good Friday, he resolved to force the progress by beating the Saluda, as, as it says here, beating the Saluda like you might beat a balky horse that refused to pull his weight. I see. So he's going to force this no matter what. I see. Well, he walked into the engine room shortly after 7 o'clock in the morning and demanded to know how much more pressure her boilers would stand. And he was answered, quote, not a pound more than she's carrying now. And this is the engineer, Josiah Clancy. And according to a newspaper account uh, afterwards, Belt ordered water injection shut off and the safety valve locked down. Okay, not good. And then he said, quote, fill her fireboxes up. I want more steam. I'm going to round that point or blow her to heck trying. And I can imagine that your word usage exact. right there was yes. exactly a quote. What he said. Yeah, I bet. So he climbed up to the hurricane deck, which is the top deck. He pulled the clapper of the boat's bell. And then, after a Lexington butcher obligedly uh, cast off her lines, and the mate and three deckhands pulled her boy, uh, her bow away from the shore. So they had these long poles to push the boat out into the water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he called for speed ahead, you know, full speed ahead. For some reason, this doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, you'll you'll see. Okay. Salute his paddle, splashed through two revolutions, and the boilers exploded. Uh, two oh. revolutions. One, two, and boom. And? The hull disintegrated forward of the engine room, and half the upper deck, upper works, went skyward, accompanied by tumbling human bodies and two iron chimneys in a great blossoming of steam, bales, splinters, boiling water, and wreckage from the cabins. Captain Belt's corpse... That tells you what happened to him. Yeah, he croaked. Captain Belt's corpse took a high course inland with the bell on which he had placed one elbow in the second before death. Both landed high on a bluff above the river and rolled downhill together, the bell clanging wildly. You're kidding me. Blew him clear onto shore. Oh, my. A 600-pound iron safe, the boat's watchdog, which had been chained to its door... (laughs) And second clerk, Jonathan F. Blackburn, were flung high in the air. They came to rest near one another 200 yards from the river. A local butcher ashore. The guy that untied the boat. Yeah, he was killed by a flying boiler. Oh, Uh, my. A brick house nearby collapsed under the impact of another chunk of the boiler iron. The two pilots were blown in the river with pieces of the wheelhouse and never seen again. 
Did anybody survive? Yes, but not very many. So there was a silence that followed this deafening roar of the explosion. Oh, my. But uh, I hate to describe this, but a sound of screaming soon began under piles of wreckage, which sank rapidly near the bank. Townspeople rushing to the river found the mangled remains of other people scattered over the wharf. Groans and shrieks and uh, shrieks and sobs mingled with, you know, the grief of those who were exerting themselves to relieve the sufferers. So all the townspeople went to try to help them out. Uh, how many people were on the boat? Um, well, more than one hundred bodies were recovered. Oh my! So goodness. you know there was more than that on the on the boat. Wow! And about the same number were believed to have been washed down the river. Only about 50 of the people had been aboard, had survived. So I wonder where the, if you'll call it this, the safest part of the boat was to be on or near when it exploded. I'm thinking as far away from the boilers. Well, yeah, I'm so, thinking that too. So if they're in the middle, you want to be, I'm thinking in the front or the very back. Oh, my. Just, just guessing. It's just all of a sudden just. Just boom. Just yeah. a sudden explosion. Well. Saluda was long remembered. Her bell was carried to the nearby town of Savannah and placed in the belfry of the Christian church. Lexington families adopted her orphan children and raised them far from England and Wales, far from the Great Salt Lake and Mormonism as their own. Most of the children lived the rest of their lives in the town because, like I say, they were orphaned. And, uh, you know, so luckily the people uh, adopted these kids and raised them. So the disaster at Lexington was the worst in the history of steam navigation on the Missouri River. But in a minute, we're going to talk about the Mississippi. Okay. So Saluda was representative, nevertheless, of every paddle steamer that operated on the big muddy. Missouri steamers blew up by the dozens and sank by the hundreds. So it happened frequently. It did. And... Yeah. Didn't these people know that if they looked at the gauge and it's getting up to a danger zone, they better back well, off? And this is the problem. The uh, the captain, you know, he's the one that was responsible. And, you know, if he said, you know, uh, we're going to turn off the safety valves and we're just going to give it all we got, you know. Wow. So, so 1865, the Sultana. And I, quite a few years ago, I talked a little bit about I've Sultana. heard that name, yeah. yeah. So in the early hours of April 27th, 1865, and it was just days after the end of the Civil War, the Sultana burst into flames along the Mississippi. Uh, the Sultana was a 260-foot-long wooden steamboat built in Cincinnati in 1863, regularly transported passengers and freight between St. Louis and New Orleans on the Mississippi. So now we're on the Mississippi. Okay. Okay. So April 23, 1865, uh, the Sultana docked in Vicksburg to address issues with the boiler during a routine journey from New Orleans. And while it was in port, it was contracted by the U.S. government to carry former Union prisoners of war from Confederate prisons, such as Andersonville and some of those really terrible camps, uh, to carry them back into Northern Territory. Well, in order to fulfill this lucrative contract, a guy named Cass Mason, the Sultana's captain, Captain Mason, he decided to patch the leaky boiler rather than complete the more extensive and time-consuming repairs. He had a problem, and he knew it. But he decided money was more important than fixing the boat. 
Mm. So, fearing, so they didn't fix the boiler at all? He, he, did, he patched it up. Oh, my. Just enough to get by. Yeah. Well, see, he was afraid that some of his other colleagues on other boats would be taking passengers. Let me ask you a dumb question. When you say patch the boiler, what did they do in those days to uh, repair it? I have no idea other than maybe try to patch it with uh, maybe patches of metal or uh, I don't know. Did they have welding back then? I don't know if they had actual welding, but I think they could heat up metal and try to get it to uh, hook to other metal somehow. And then bolt it to the... Bolt it to the, to oh, the boiler okay. somehow. All right. So, so Union Army Captain George Williams, who was, was overseeing this operation, he ordered that all former prisoners at the parole camp and hospital at Vicksburg be transported on the Sultana. So now you've got not just prisoners that have been in a rough case but you got people that have been injured and wounded that are going onto this boat oh my well the sultana was designed to hold 376 people more than 2,000 union troops what? were crowded onto the steamboat how did it stay afloat more than five times its legal carrying capacity well they were getting paid well, yeah, but getting paid one thing and sinking the other. <laughs> well, well, despite concerns of overloading from several officers, this Captain Williams refused to divide the men, insisting that they travel on one vessel. Oh, my goodness. So the Sultana steamed north up the Mississippi, but the severe overcrowding and the faster current caused by the spring thaw. Again, you've got this fast water, put increased pressure on its newly patched Boilers. Shortly after leaving Memphis, Tennessee, on April 27th, the overstrained boilers exploded, blowing apart the center of the boat and starting an uncontrollable fire. So here you are. If you're in the middle of the boat, you're done. You're toast. So many of those who were not killed immediately, they died as they tried to swim to shore. Now, remember, you're in the Mississippi and it's cold. Probably got ice chunks flowing past you. So you know, uh, hypothermia had to get some of them. Of the initial survivors, 200 later died from burns that they sustained during the accident. Really? Uh, Researchers indicate that 1,195 of the 2,200 passengers and crew died, making the Sultana the deadliest maritime disaster in U.S. history. So the uh, Saluda was the worst on the Missouri, but this was the worst on the Mississippi. Now, you said they had just left Vicksburg, Mississippi. Uh, Memphis. Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. And how wide is the river at that juncture? You know, I am really not sure, but it's got to be half mile, do you think? I don't know. There's areas of the Mississippi that are narrow and others are quite expansive. but. Now, Mark Twain, his brother, you know, Mark Twain was a captain on the Mississippi. Yeah. And he went through the schooling, learned how to do it, and one thing another. And he had a brother that he uh, talked into going to work on a steamboat. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the boat he was on also exploded. And Mark Twain went to where his brother was basically dying. And he uh, was with him during the last few days. Oh, really? While his brother uh passed away. I can't imagine they had over 2,000 people on a yeah. boat that wasn't supposed to have more than 500. Yeah, well, not that. No, not even that many. It was supposed to have, what did I say, 275. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But 
376. That's Whoa. how many it was supposed to have on it. So Whoa. it had five times the legal amount. But what was happening is they were being paid like, I'm going to say something like $3 per person of the soldiers and like $5 for officers. So this was a very lucrative contract, but obviously a, a sad and oh a, a disaster that took place. So... You know, and again, we we don't know how many boats and actually. What reached, year was but, that? Uh, let's see, that was 1865. Okay, so. you look at 1865, and of course the Civil War uh, just ending, and they didn't have in those days all the rescue vessels no. or anything else or paramedics or whatever. Right. Holy smokes! What a disaster! Well, and and actually, when this happened, there were some other steamboats. Uh, and people with rowboats and, and even fishing boats, they went out to try to save some of these people that were basically floating down the river. Oh, my. And for really for months afterwards, there were still bodies that floated up on the shore, you know, farther down the river for for months afterwards. Did anybody in the future uh, ever try to go down in the river and salvage any of? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, in fact, the Saluda that I just mentioned, that one had sunk. And remember, I said the captain, they floated it back up, repaired it, and this Captain Belt bought the boat, even though it had been wrecked. So they were able to uh, salvage some boats at some point. Wow. Now, interesting enough, uh, some boats that sank, they have discovered as far as a mile inland from the current. Mississippi, because the current, the river has changed course That's true. over hundreds of years. That's true. So they have actually found uh, remains of steamboats as far as a mile uh, away. I think that one of the alterations of the Mississippi was right there by Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And the reason I know that is, is because I used to do the rodeo at Sykeston, which is 22 miles away from Cape Girardeau. And the committee man that was the president that year took me on kind of a guided tour of that area and showed me where the river channel had been. And then it shifted and then pointed out that there were numerous uh, like these boats and other boats that had sunk out there. Well, if you think about the spring thaw, you know, 200 years ago or 100 years ago, whatever, coming down, rushing real fast. It's oh. going to change the course of the river. You're not so, kidding. Yeah. So that's the Sultana and the Saluda. How many disasters. people survived that last one? I mean, o- only a couple of hundred. Well, let's see, about 400. 400 of the, people. Of the almost 2,000. And they had to literally probably swim to shore or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Or were picked up maybe by some of the rescue boats that were Ooh. out there. But like Amazing. say, 200 later died, even if they were rescued from the burns. But did it do any good so that people didn't try to push those boilers like they did? Who knows? I mean, yeah. there was always the competition between steamboats of who can be the fastest go from from uh, New Orleans to St. Louis. Were there a lot of steamboat companies on the Mississippi there were, at that time? There were quite a few. Yeah. And when you got to New Orleans, it was uh, there were so many uh, steamboat companies. You really had your choice of which one to to get on that were going all the way back up. Well, uh, they went as far as St. Louis and some all the way clear up to uh, uh, Fort Bent up in Montana. But a lot of people got off at Independence and got on Missouri steamboats. Because they were different than the Mississippi steamboats. I see. The mountain boats were more prepared to to take on the Missouri River. 
I see. So a lot of people got off there and got on another steamboat headed up to Independence. I think I would have rented a couple of mules and <laughs> pack mules and a good horse instead of that. Oh, I tell you. But, you know, think about it. You know, a steamboat's going to get you there a lot faster. But Yeah, but you said in one case it's like three months. Well, no, not quite. Uh, no. Uh, well, that's going clear. Uh, on the from, Missouri. That, that's going from New Orleans clear up to Montana. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. Boy, that's a good story. I appreciate that. Doctor history, of course, the very, very best.